This is the fear of science. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Fear of Science, the show that dives into the wide world of science topics and science-adjacent topics to demystify, debunk, and delight. Each episode features a new science or science-adjacent fear, along with special guests and more surprises and discoveries along the way. My name is Daniel Chai. I'm Jeff Porter. And today, we are going to be talking about that one thing we are all told to not talk about at the dinner table. And that is, of course, the fear of politics. Yeah, so we'll start it off with the same way we start off every episode. And we're going to ask, why do people fear it? Why do Mm -hmm. people fear politics? Uh, And uh, helping us answer that question, of course, joining us in studio here at the Vancouver Public Library Inspiration Lab are our two special guests. Uh, Who do we have over here? My name's Ian Bushfield. I co-host the Politicoast and Canby Report podcasts here in Vancouver. And I'm Sophie Buttle. I'm a comedian in Vancouver, and I write for the CBC show This Hour Has 22 Minutes, and I have a podcast as well, Obsessed with Sophie Buttle. Perfect. Thank you both for being here. So yes, uh, you know, uh, similar yet uh, uh, different experiences with politics with our special guests, and I know for myself, I, I have my own thoughts and views on the goings-ons of politics, and I'm sure the same with Jeff. But yes, let's answer Jeff's first question. Why are why are people afraid of politics or talking about politics? I think that people are afraid of conflict, and we were we were talking about it, but right before um, you guys got here because you were late, um, <laughs> we were talking about how we're not allowed to talk about religion, we're not allowed to talk about politics at the dinner table. But the people that get really riled up when they disagree, those are the people that are really passionate about religion and are really passionate about politics. So I don't understand why that doesn't bring them together. Like, it Mm. seems like those are the people that care about those subjects the most. Why would that not be a common denominator between them? It's interesting. When I was thinking about this question in advance, I was like, I don't know that people are necessarily afraid, but they're almost apathetic about politics so much. We see declining voter turnout, mm-hmm. or it's never talked about enough. People don't like engaging outside elections, and even then, they feel tired about it. And it relates to you know lots of different things, including just not feeling like politicians care about you or reflect what you, as a voter, want. Don't think your vote matters, all of these kind of different issues. But then there's also the element that is fear, that is, it's not fear of politics, but fear in politics. Maybe we could talk about that later. Oh, absolutely. Mm, yes, now. totally. Yes. Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, of course, you know, here, um, depending on when you listeners are listening to this episode, you know, upcoming this fall, we have the Canadian federal election. Uh, uh, next year, of course, is the American election. Uh, and last year was the municipal elections. And when was the last provincial elections here in BC? 2017. 2017. So, so it seems like absolutely every year, every year there's there's elections, there's by elections. Uh, you know, per, is there is there too much? Is there too much politics? Do we have much of a choice? Like it doesn't seem like we can just be like, hey, let's not let's not do politics for a while. Well, I think what you said was really interesting about how people are apathetic because they feel like politicians don't care about them because that's definitely something I've always felt and my family has always felt like 
politicians seem very self-serving as a people in general. And I think that that kind of job attracts that kind of person that that wants power, that wants attention. Like they say that that politics is entertainment for ugly people. And it's true. Like those are people that probably would have wanted to do acting or do comedy. But, you know, we've all seen Bernie Sanders. Like (laughs) I'm just kidding. Obviously, I'm very physically attracted to him. Um, (laughs) But just as a reference for other people. Uh, now, now speaking of, of uh, how people get into certain things, uh, over here with Ian, how did you, um, what is your background with politics? How did your, uh, the Canby Report and Politicoast, how did those come about? It's really non-direct, but it's relevant for here. So we're on the podcast Fear of Science, and my background is science, actually. I did an mm-hmm. undergraduate in engineering physics, and then I went and did a master's in physics. And what? I went, that is exactly enough science for me. Like, I enjoy <laughs> reading about it, but doing it is actually very boring and tiresome. I wholeheartedly respect every scientist who commits to that, but it just wasn't for me. We love all our science friends. Absolutely. <laughs> I was more interested in the volunteering at school, at university, getting involved in student groups, and kind of just developed, I don't even know when, a real passion for current affairs, what's going on in the world. And I think it's related to my like undergraduate in engineering, but uh, thinking about systems and structures and how the world works. And politics is how we kind of relate to one another on a large municipal, provincial, federal scale. And so I've always been following politics. And when I got to Vancouver and was talking politics with a friend in the pub, we said, we should record this because we're two young white millennial males and that's what you do. <laughs> and that's a did. target demographic that's right what there. Everyone wants to Our hear voices from. must be heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Canby Report was similar in that the municipal election was coming up and that one, there really wasn't many people talking about it. There was no municipal politics podcast because that's such a niche. And from there, we managed to just really grow. We connected with a lot of great journalists right. and we found that at the municipal level, politicians are actually, well, I mean, we've met lots of politicians. They're actually all really nice, despite you know what Sophie was kind of saying. It's well, the, they can be nice, but yeah. also self-serving. Sure, <laughs> and they're very open. And I think most people get into politics for the right reasons. It's just the incentives that are there a lot of the time push them to I don't know, cut sweetheart deals with their friends. I will admit my my stereotypes are about American politicians mm-hmm. more so than Canadian by a long shot. But we um, have lots of our own scandals up here that are pretty reprehensible. Sure, we had SNC Lavalin, et cetera, right. others, yeah. I'm sure. It's all the Senate expense scandals. <laughs> so bingo oh, scandal yeah, a while ago. Oh, yeah. Basically, every premier in BC history has gone down in some scandal or another <laughs> right. since the founding of this province. <laughs> well, we, on 22 Minutes, we probably wrote SNC-Lavalin jokes for a month. (laughs) Like, it was the top story for so long. And I was writing jokes about it for probably two weeks before I checked what it was. Like, it's it's kind of... when you first start hearing about it, it seems kind of dull. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, he pressured someone to do something. It's like, yeah, that's what they do to each other. They want they want something from someone else, so they put a bit of pressure. Like, it didn't seem like it had very much weight to it. And it was it was the same day uh, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould's testimony was the same day as Michael Cohen's testimony. That was a huge day for mm-hmm. me, as you can imagine. Yeah. And... Uh, we had somebody in the news on the show, and they were talking about how they had more people in Canada tune in to watch that testimony than they had in years, even watching anything. 
So that was really cool. I think scandals energize the population for politics. There we go, it makes yeah. it interesting. It gives it drama. Oh, interesting. There we go. Uh, and testimonies, you know, it makes for, you know, uh, you know, Ollie North trial and uh, any Hollywood movie that involves political or like a, uh, like a courtroom drama. Yeah, people like drama, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, my problem I have with with politics in general, and it just kind of it was difficult for me to even research this um, episode because I just kind of stopped caring while I was researching it. Um, is that I have like an all or nothing kind of approach to politics. I I was involved with the Green Party when a friend of mine ran in Kamloops many years ago, um, and either I'm super super passionate about it. Or I just can't pay any attention to it because there's no in-between. And I think a lot of people kind of fall into that category. Well, what I wonder, just to go back to the the Jody Wilson-Raybould stuff, I do wonder how much other people picked up on it. Because I was reading articles about it and didn't even really understand it for quite a while. So I do wonder how it's going to affect the actual election because it does seem like conservatives are relying on the heat from that quite a bit and i don't know if there is heat among regular people yeah we're recording on july 4th right now and i don't think there's been a major story on snc in a month or two it was super hot at the time but it's almost like disappeared as now people's try to go oh do i have to choose the lesser of two evils kind of again and i think that sort of gets back to what you were just saying about the green party jeff and that's one thing that gets back to what I was talking about with this apathy and fear is for so many Canadians, the way politics works, especially at the federal level, is you either have to go along with the party Mm -hmm. or you just kind of, you know, you're in obscurity. Yes. And I think I think that especially with the lesser of two evils, like even in this scandal, as someone who leans liberal, like I viewed it as if the same thing had happened in a conservative government, nobody would have had the morals to come forward and say anything. And it's probably happening behind the scenes there too. Like, it, it did, certainly did not deter me from my political views because of this happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, hearing, uh, I think a lot of scandals, you know, we end up, uh, you know, still falling under like party lines or, or personal political uh, leanings where we can go, Oh man, I'm so disappointed and frustrated in this politician who had the scandal, but still got to vote for them because I don't want that other guy to get in. Yeah, 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 it's true. And even when when you're saying like, how much does the general public know or care about the scandal? To be totally honest, I only fifty percent know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the thing. And like, it's like I know it's something even... about a woman who got fired. Kind of like That's even even the title though even SNC Lavalin it's like what like there's 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 no catching it and that's the thing as well like that's why I'm so much more invested in American politics like I write for a Canadian politics show I live in Canada I enjoy Canadian politics but we have no razzle dazzle like yeah, they would okay. have such a better name for the SNC Lavalin yeah. scandal in the states like they have more attractive news anchors they have better TV like they, well, have, they have more money. 
exactly. politics, but that also Lavalin means... Gate. Yeah, no, <laughs> I have no uh, idea. There's been so many gates. Oh. I know nothing about the SNL lava life. Like not a... Yeah. <laughs> now, um, I, uh, I kept writing jokes where the punchline was uh, lava lamp, lava. and then everyone was like, no. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> everyone was like, just read an article about it. I was like, oh, I can't. Now, uh, uh, of course, I'm very, uh, I'm excited, Jeff, that we have uh, people who are interested in politics, but also interested in uh, political content and content creators, uh, because you know, I, I think that having, you know, getting out the message for politics, you know, and, and different generations get and absorb messages in many different ways. Uh, you know, so podcasts, obviously very popular. Uh, and This Hour's 22 Minutes, uh, you know, Canadian standby for many years. I grew up watching This Hour's 22 Minutes. Um, do we feel that, you know, this is... Uh, that these sorts of way is the way to continue, or how else can we reach these, uh, you know, these audiences, these voters? Because I, I personally believe that politics is important because we got to keep the trains running on time and got to keep the planes in the air, and and I want my taxpayer money to go to the right places. So how do we get people invested and not afraid about talking about these things? Well, that was one of the things that was always driven me to talk about politics, whether it was on a blog on a back corner of the internet years ago or getting on social media or starting the podcast. And what I love about the podcast format is we can break down issues and take longer mm-hmm. form discussions about policy and get into the weeds about these things and have more interesting discussions than just, you know, who's leading the polls and all the sound bites that have kind of dominated like 90s era media and early thousands. And I think we're even starting to see a lot of politicians, at least on the left, start to really put out big policy ideas earlier now. Uh, Bernie Sanders did this, Labour's Jeremy Corbyn did this, now even the NDP here have done this. They might not get No any. more student debt. Right? Yeah. Okay. yeah, well, we also, it, this comes out in about a month, but there, the Democratic primaries just happened this week within the States, and I was always a Bernie bro. But I've, I'm uh, Elizabeth Warren woman now um, because she is. She she had a really good – it was a soundbite, but yeah, she the, had a really good moment where they asked all the candidates who would abolish the private insurance healthcare system, and she raised her hand, and everyone always says that it's not practical, it's going to take too long, and she said – the people who say it's impractical and it's going to take too long are just telling you they're not willing to fight for it. Mm. And I think that, yeah, yeah. And it was like, it felt really good to hear that because she's someone that does, I think, really energize the younger generation and a slightly outside the regular voter demographic. Well, and Warren started with, you know, not much name recognition relative to like Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, yeah. but she's built her profile on policy and as a nerd that's what i like to see oh my god i know and she just has that lisa simpson factor don't you find like she's just yes. kind of a little know-it-all she, but she's she so built, endearing she a consumer protection agency like oh my you god can't get nerdier than i that. just love her i just love elizabeth she's just so pure now i wonder you know uh, through through this conversation i wonder if if uh, maybe there's two things because because there's politics which is the which is the razzle dazzle, the the um, you know the cameras on, the lights, the sound bites. But then, is there politics of like the policies? Because because you know when people are afraid of politics, um, you know ultimately you know politics is needed to get the stuff done. Hopefully, 
right? And hopefully they will work to do things that we the people want. Yeah, so policy-wise, um, in these primaries, it's very interesting because there does seem to be a pretty big divide between the kind of moderate Joe Biden, let's keep everything how it is, and the more radical progressive left, like the Bernie Sanders, um, Kamala Harris is like kind of on the line between, and I actually, I think Kamala Harris is gonna win. Like I like Elizabeth. I know it's quite bold. I know. You heard it here first. (laughs) But the reason is because she has kind of relatively moderate views, except for a couple issues. But people that want kind of a radical structural change, I think will settle for having a black woman as the president. I think that that's enough, even if her views are moderate. I think it's the perfect balance for what everybody's looking for. Yeah. That's interesting. So is it more the person you're voting for? Yeah, I think people vote for the person. I don't think people vote for the policies as much as we would like them to. That's what always freaks me out about politics as well, is that the politician, the president, the prime minister, they're just a person. Like, it's a popularity a contest. It's a popularity contest. It's the people in the background that control that politician right. that freak me well, out. Yeah. That gets to a book I just actually finished reading called The New NDP by David McGrain. There's uh, a new NDP? Yeah, well, no. so... <laughs> the new, the, the, new N- Democrat N- Party. NDP, yeah. The new NDP party. Yeah. The book was premised on looking at the change of the NDP from the year 2000 to like just after the 2015 election. So up until about 2000, the party was always the like social democratic or social democratic socialist left trying to be the voice of the people in Ottawa, even if they couldn't get power. And then when Jack Layton took over, it was kind of this shift towards let's bring in modern marketing techniques and change how the party operates. And as someone who's been a part member of the party on and off, you kind of see it from the inside and outside that it shifts from wanting to hear what the grassroots says to it's more what policies can we put forward that will sell and win mm-hmm. and, you know, focus testing, spending more money. The party was helped by having a per vote subsidy and a new funding grant. It was kind of a fascinating read, but it gets really... Uh, political science wonky towards the end because there's a massive survey he did and he breaks down tables and it was the driest chapter I've read oh. in my life. <laughs> Everyone the loves a good thesis, survey chapter. The overall thesis was like really interesting to sort of track the rise of the NDP to 2011 when they became official opposition, the best they'd ever done. And then I think that's when he was writing the book was just before 2015 and then Tom Mulcair's election and the NDP crashed by like half. They still, still did better than ever before. But it kind of leaves you hanging with these questions of, did this moderation and switch to a, what he describes as postmodern marketing technique mm-hmm. of politics ultimately fail the NDP? Or did they just like not do it well enough? And it's kind of, you know, Jack Layton had a ton of personality. Yeah, hand, I think that's the but... thing. It's like, if it's authentic, people will like it. Mm-hmm. So that was the whole problem with Hillary Clinton with her Pokemon go to the polls. <laughs> like, people see through yeah. that. So right. exactly. So mm-hmm. if someone has that personality that goes with that kind of marketing, it, it of course, it's going to soar. It's going to create a party that can exist. But I think voters pick up on inauthenticity. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to jump back to what you said about because it is such a popularity contest, the people kind of pulling the strings behind them are really who you have to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. 
one of my biggest realizations about Donald Trump. Oh, we're taking a picture now. This is stressing me out. <laughs> so one of the biggest things about Donald Trump is that he doesn't have an agenda. He doesn't mm. actually have anything he wants. He didn't go into it trying to change anything. He didn't go into it with anything in mind besides his own personal gain, mm-hmm. like what whatever deals he can make that improves his personal life. Like every... Um, I don't remember the, the man's name who wrote Fire and Fury. Michael, oh. the bald guy. It's not Michael Pollan. That's the guy from Cooked. Right. But Michael, I think it starts with a P. I'll find it. Okay. <laughs> so research. He, his biggest findings from from shadowing the, the White House was that any the last person that spoke to Donald Trump, that's Donald Trump's opinion. Yeah. He just has, he's just an empty vessel. He's the epitome of a puppet. He's a, he really a literal is. puppet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Michael Wolf. Michael Wolf. Michael, Michael Wolf. Wolf. Not a P, but <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I think, and and a lot of the, I think the difficulty with the general public is that you're looking at that figurehead and you're like, I like that person or I don't like that person. Mm-hmm. But it's the research of the policies and figuring out what you believe in and whether that party um, supports that. It's difficult. It's a lot of work. It's so hard to figure out. Well, that's the thing. And that's why it's so weird. Not weird, but that's why it's so interesting that people vote for the person and don't look into the politics that much. Like Kamala Harris, for example, seems very progressive if you just go off of her vibe. But she's been a police officer her whole life. Like She's very pro-police, which is not the progressive point of view at all. Mm. And for people that are not looking into that... They might be shocked when she makes policy decisions down the road when she wins, like I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we um, uh, do we find that, you know, this in a podcast setting, I'm really glad, you know, lots of uh, energy and lots of um, uh, points of view that we were sharing here. Do we do do each of us here uh, on this episode, do we ever get a chance to have these kind of conversations with other people in our lives? You know, outside of, say, a podcast setting or, or in the writing room for this hour's 22 minutes, do we ever have these level of conversations? Um, I, I feel that I have this with my boyfriend, and nice. that's one of the things I, I really like about him is it's not that we necessarily disagree about things politically. It's that he's just slightly less political than I am. So I'll be riled up about something, <laughs> and he... He definitely challenges me on 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 stuff and on my opinions and has turned my opinions around at some point because I'm definitely someone one of my biggest character flaws is I'll get caught up in mob mentality. Like if everyone's mad about something, I'm like, me too. Like, let's get the pitchfork. Right. And he's very good at being like, okay, why are we mad? Right. And I'm like, because everyone's mad. Get 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 with it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So so that's that's something that really helps me. And and him and I talk about politics a lot because how I get into it, I'm all, he can hear me breathing heavy and he's like, what are you reading? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the friend groups I developed in university and when I first moved to Vancouver, I definitely have these conversations because that's what I sought out them, just that kind of person, I guess. And then with my family and my in-laws, we sort of moved towards that, even though politically my in-laws are 
let's just say my mother-in-law works or worked in the Calgary oil patch, so we don't have a ah, yes. perfect eye-to-eye, but right. we kind of have some similar underlying values. So we try to keep to that, and if it gets too heated, someone usually <laughs> slows that down and right. says, maybe let's talk about puppies. But yeah, there's there's nothing more divisive in my family. Divisive? Divisive. Divisive? Dividing? Yeah, I don't mean to divide this room, but, but is the one of the most, di- di- oh my God. So in my family is the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably like that for a lot of families mm-hmm. because my grandparents live in Alberta. Um, Alberta was really counting on that pipeline. Canada was kind of counting on that pipeline because of Tr- Trudeau buying it. And right. BC kind of takes all of the risk if we did the pipeline and and none really of the reward except for the whole rest of the country and it is like my grandma would post pro pipeline articles on facebook my dad would write scathing comments on it and i'm like that's your mom like you can't say that and it is it's one of the craziest that's truly to me the scandal of the year is the pipeline getting bought and then not built and not because i want it to be built but it's a crazy story right Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, um, I I think for you know for speaking for myself, I I watch politics. I read the news. I uh, you know for here in Canada, you know, I read read the the metro. I read you know province. I um, you know read blogs, and of course for the American stuff, I watch Stephen Colbert and The Daily Show. Um, but I I find that I don't get much of a chance to talk about it with other people, and I and being self self aware, I think that that's because there's a part of me that wants to keep life light and and uh, easier. Because I think when you talk about politics, inevitably, it just gets harder, and then the brain starts hurting. Yeah, and I think that the people that get into politics on a, on a serious level like conflict Mm -hmm. and like like finding out what specific points you disagree with with other people like it's a very abrasive and i have it personality trait to be attracted (laughs) to politics right well i think it's it's for me i i don't like to talk about politics with friends because i have a couple friends that are very much into politics uh one of them in particular is very conservative so i find every time we start talking about politics it's just such a clash i'm like i want you to stay my friend so how about we not talk about this anymore how's that new spider-man movie yeah yeah exactly that's true. Like my friends group, it's largely geeks, and yep. okay. you know we will have passionate discussions about. <laughs> geeks uh, love to argue. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. talk about Infinity War or yeah. something like that for hours, and nobody gets offended at all. Yeah. But we don't bring up politics because, oof, mm. yeah, let's keep that friendship yeah. going. Both my podcasts, we sought out a bit of political diversity, so they both have someone who represents Good. either a slightly different point of view, but someone I can get along with and respect. So mm-hmm. it kind of comes to that center, center, right point of view from a bit more of an intellectual background, which mm-hmm. I think is lacking in a lot of today's politics, which is very frustrating for a lot of people. A lot of populism is also turning people off, and that's driven by fear, which is one of the other things that yeah. I sort of brought up at the start. Right. So, cause in, so in the States, there's the uh, Democrats and Republican, and essentially a two-party system. Um, here in Canada, we have more parties. Do we have... Is it a multi-party? I mean, it's, uh, it's three. Uh, like green, we love you, federal. green. Yes. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and block. But it's right. it's a it's a different system. Right. So so do people have 
different, uh, you know, down in the States, you are, you're either one or both. But up here, do we have people who are, who are maybe up here on the political spectrum or? Yeah, I think so. Like, I personally am, I don't like this, but I'm someone who will vote for my neighborhood to fight against conservative. Like, I'm just not conservative. So I've voted Green, I've voted NDP, I've voted Liberal. Right. I identify as NDP, but yeah, I think that a lot of people do strategic voting, certainly in my family, and I think it depends what neighborhood you're in. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that we have so much more trouble identifying what we are politically than our sexuality. Like when we did fear of sexuality. Bold of everyone... you to assume I know what my sexuality is. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. One but, of those cues is for questioning. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it is. It's hard. To, like, I don't. When, when you were saying that you're NDP, I'm like, oh, God, I don't, I don't know if I want to say what I am, what my political background or what my leadings is mm-hmm. um it's a difficult thing to say i think i think party Why? membership numbers are significantly lower in canada than the u.s yes it's like very it, it varies election to election but why do you feel ner- you don't have to say but why do you feel nervous saying it um i think it's just because it's that that ownership of of the party like it's just like now on record on this podcast that millions of people listen to are now gonna know that I am leaning towards whatever. Like and I'm I'm very much like I know I'm not conservative. Yeah. That, that's but that's the thing. It. I think that people know also that everybody's opinions are fluid. Like obvious I, I do understand the fear of having stuff on tape, having stuff especially if you're going into a starting a career path, like you don't want something to come back and bite you. But I think that, like, like something I realized is that nothing holds up. Like, there's not one movie. There's not – nothing holds up. Mm. So, because we're always progressing as a society. Uh, people are, are becoming more understanding of other people. And then the people who are less understanding are the people that everyone becomes less understanding of. Mm. So – Nothing holds up, so I think that you should just live your truth in the moment, and then in the future, people are gonna people are gonna understand that. Like everybody develops at different rates, everybody goes through growth. Yeah, and everything changes. Like, yeah, you know, you might be very pro NDP one year, and then the NDP does something you don't like, and yeah. you're yeah. no longer that. Absolutely. And I've never met anyone more critical of the NDP than New Democrats themselves. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> now speaking of uh, on that though, you know, uh, being a little bit of uh, not devil's advocate, maybe that's the wrong phrase, but, you know, about about living our truth and, and representing ourselves proudly, et cetera. Uh, you know, how do we feel then about, you know, when, when people wear uh, Make America Great Again hats and, and wear the hats that, you know, right, identify that, themselves as... I think that they should be doxxed online. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. We don't encourage that. Okay. <laughs> Um, but, but you know, uh, uh, but in that sense, they are they are you know living their their truth, mm-hmm. and you know um, uh, I definitely lean towards being I'm I'm liberal. If I was in the states, I would be Democrat. Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and you know, seeing seeing these people getting kicked out of restaurants or out of stores, you know, there's part of me that's like, hey, it's the stores who have these these guidelines to do so. But at the same time, these people are, are identi- identifying their politics. Yeah, they're public that. figures. Yeah. I don't think that's right. I don't think anyone should be kicked out of a restaurant for their political views. 
somebody just spit on one of Donald Trump's kids, and I was like, well, that's good. <laughs> like, I get that. How many milkshakes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, that's because those are people that have shown lack of empathy. Like, those are they're hated for reasons outside of their political views, and mm. I'm fine with that. Right. <laughs> they're horrible people. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I wonder if there's a way to... Um, to keep up this this conversation, is there a way to uh, to start bridging, you know, the the gap between different political sides, and to perhaps reduce the fear of people being able to talk about politics into a way that we can talk about these policies and these politicians in a healthy way? I know there's a lot of thinking going on about what is it that's driving this populism the sort of right-wing reactionary populism, whether it's Trump, Brexit, some of the far-right parties in Europe, and no one's convinced me that they know what the answer is. There's a lot of What all happened at the same time? Similar times, yeah. Yeah, like it was a chain. And I think there's a lot of anxieties relating to economics, cultural changes. I think it's because of YouTube. Mm. Wow, that's quite the... uh... Do you want me to elaborate or do you get it? <laughs> no, that's it. That's all I need. Yeah, no, okay, please cool. elaborate. <laughs> so it's it's related to to the, the term echo chamber, how everybody just gets feedback of exactly what they believe. There's an algorithm in YouTube where they'll just show you a more extreme version of whatever you watch to get you to keep watching. So somebody that watches a conservative debate will then be shown an all right video Somebody that watches a Hillary Clinton speech will then be shown a, we'll call it alt-left video. And it's just everybody's getting radicalized by their own beliefs because of internet algorithms. We all spend Mm -hmm. so much time on Facebook, on YouTube. Yeah, I think that I think that people are becoming radicalized by their own opinions, by by algorithms that they're feeding themselves into. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't get two sides of the conversation. Actually, when we did fear of social media, that was one of the things I talked about at the end, was that I wish that um, our news and our information would be more non-bias more moderate more moderate yeah yeah exactly because like i feel like i go on my facebook and i see information and news articles about the stuff that i believe in and i was like oh well everyone thinks the and same it checks way out. i do yeah yeah, yeah. therefore uh, the world is great and it's so tough in canada because we don't actually have a healthy news media market we have mm. cbc that does a pretty good job but everyone's got their criticism of it no matter where you are on the political spectrum and they're going to make failings, so that's why we need more. Uh, they pay me a lot of money, and I love that about them. <laughs> that's true. They have very Thank good you, CBC. Yeah, shout out, CBC. <laughs> I grew up on Air Force in 22 minutes, so totally. yeah. so impressed. Uh, we have Post Media that's basically bought out every newspaper across the country other than the metros that you mentioned, which is now Toronto Star owns all of those. Star yeah. Metro. And then there's like a handful of tinier Groups. If you're in the Maritimes, you only hear from Irving-owned papers who are now in the news this week for firing a journalist, not officially for writing a Trump cartoon, but... <gasps> right. Oh, that was yeah. a crazy story. I didn't realize that was a Maritime guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was wild. He worked there for 17 years? Yeah. Yeah, that's... So in any market in Canada, and for television news, you have like CTV, Global, and CBC, and maybe one or two others... We're kind of starved for, and a lot of these companies, oh, and I forgot the Globe and Mail, but they don't have a wide variety of opinion. 
when I lived in the UK for two years in London, and they have a pretty healthy newspaper market that goes from the left to the right and all the places in between, and you get good papers. But how do we get that? How do we get a a non-biased publication? Well, the government's bailout, I'm pretty skeptical of. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone's come up with a good solution yet. Because there are independent newspapers. Mm -hmm. There's the Narwhal... There's that other one that yeah, sounds like no. online. I think one of the Ta-yi? things that needs to happen. Ta-yi. Oh, yeah. yeah. Online yeah. here in BC. I think post media needs to die. Yeah. It needs yeah. to get out of the way. Yeah. Podcasting. That needs to be the, the only way to get your information. <laughs> yeah, that's, but that is how I, I like getting information. Like before I watch, I mean, this is bad. I don't think this is how it should be necessarily. But before I watch the Democratic debates, I listen to a podcast I like about it. Mm-hmm. And it probably would have been better how to, I watched it and developed my own opinions and then listened and seen where there's crossover but i like having people that i trust who i've agreed with their opinions before discussing something i think it 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 makes it a lot more human and it makes it a lot more a lot less tv it makes it feel more real but how do you do that without radicalizing yourself you don't okay yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) um and like for me I'm I'm very like I I believe people need to vote like that's your your duty, vote everyone vote, uh, but on the other hand as we've discussed already, um, I am not a big fan of following the news or keeping myself informed. Yeah, I think that you should you should have to vote, but you should also have to like do a quiz to show you've looked yeah. into oh, anything. Yeah. It turns out when they've done that in the U.S., it's really racist. Though. <laughs> oh, <laughs> U.S. U.S. Oh. quizzes are always racist. Yeah. <laughs> but what it's I like end purposefully up... racist. Though. Yeah, they're always purposefully racist. Brutal. I hate that. What them. I end up doing is uh, I have a friend of mine who is very, very into politics. She ran for school board, and she's incredible. Um, and we we have very similar points of view. I'll go down. I'll go sit down for coffee with her. And I'll just get her to kind of give me, like, the Coles notes of politics. Yeah. Um, but that's and, how it's fun to absorb. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's a good way or a bad way. I don't... That's the way I do it. Well, it's a heuristic. It's what we do with so much. Like, the Vancouver election was a great example where I think turnout was around 20 to 30%. And part of that was driven by the fact there were, I think, 160 candidates on your Vancouver municipal ballot. It was oh crazy. There was about 20 or 30 people running for mayor. There was seven, 50 to 70 running for 10 council spots, and you had to pick 10 of them who you yeah. thought were qualified, up to 10. Yeah, and then there a, were school board and park board, which most people don't even know what to do. There's a stat in the states that whoever's name is first on the ballot gets like 10% more votes. Well, or, and that's why they randomized the oh, yes. ballot this year, which also made it more confusing because yeah. now your names that you're looking for are just scattered in there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I wonder, you know... You know, uh, Jeff, you know, hearing you talk about that way of, you know, you meeting with your friend to to do this, I think, you know, uh, just like any other fear that we talk about here on on Fear of Science, you know, I think it's about uh, about us taking those those small steps to become less afraid of something, whether it's, uh, you know, being afraid of the political process, being overwhelmed, uh, perhaps fear of politics. Uh, is is you know as as we've talked about here, perhaps it's about just being overwhelmed by so many options. American politics, world politics, Canadian politics, municipal politics. Um, so I think yeah, that's one thing that you can do and that we all can do is to take time to talk with someone who 
take time to talk with someone who knows more than us. I think that's a great lesson, no matter what fear we talk mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Right? I think it's largely about education. It's it's uh, educating yourself in whatever way. Even when it comes to how you consume the news, you have to... It's Learn. Yeah, yeah and we're not... We're not in the day anymore where we can just have blind faith in, in the news that we're consuming. And to be honest, I don't think we were ever in that stage to begin with. It's just that society was like, oh, yeah, I believe everything on the news is real. Now we're like, wait a minute. I'm yeah. not sure about that anymore. Deep fakes. I think, I think what you said is really interesting that peop- it's the fear of um, being overwhelmed because it is very overwhelming. And then even when you're in it and you're kind of understanding what's going on, you're frustrated the whole time because there's no way you agree with everything. So there's no real payoff. Like there's no happiness. You don't get happiness at the end of getting into politics. You all you get for me is I like to be informed. I like to know what's happening. But if that's not the area of what you want to be informed in, there's no reason to, to care about politics. Right. Yeah, I need a lot of room in my brain for random Marvel facts. <laughs> <laughs> so shoving right. politics in there is very difficult. Right. And that's why, and that's why again, I'm glad that we have uh, our special guests here to help educate us and continue to educate, you know, their listeners and viewers on, on their content because, uh, you know, just like so many things, we learn our Marvel facts from reading things online. We learn about politics from listening to podcasts and watching this hour's 22 minutes. Yeah. I think the the best message is really just yeah educate yourself and, and just yeah. just it's like me with to... that spider. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta go for it. Well, and reach out to your local politicians. There's an election coming up. Con- check out who's running in your constituency. Drop by their campaign office or yeah. call them up or send them an email. Tweet at them. Some of them will get back to you. Yeah. A lot of them, their volunteers will at least want to talk to you. And sometimes it can be a really good chance to get involved in politics is to go door knock for whoever you think is somewhat inspiring yeah yeah absolutely get involved listen to politicos and there is there is a thing about 22 minutes and and all political satire shows snl like there was that stat that came out that americans were more knowledgeable about the news if they watched the daily show than if they watched the news and that's something that i've thought about uh, yeah it's something i've thought about a lot because I think it's a lot easier to absorb any information if you're learning it through jokes because your brain lights up like you're if you're having a good time you're relaxed it's easier to absorb information if you don't have negative connotations with it it's easier for you to think about it later and then go deeper into it remember a joke yeah. I, I think that that's why so many political satire shows exist because people want other people to know what's going on in politics and it's so hard to get other people interested in it right. mm-hmm. and someone needs to take those self-absorbed people down a peg right yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah um, i get a large amount of my news from last week tonight i um, love last week oh, tonight that's so the good. best i know it's not technically a late night show but that's my favorite late night yeah. show oh, john oliver's so good he's incredible i love mm-hmm. how in-depth he goes on things that even for me, seem boring. Like he'll start and he'll say what it is, and then he's like, "No, no, don't leave." Like he yeah. knows. Yeah. Although last week he did a expose on Amazon, and I I buy way too much stuff off of Amazon. I have an I Amazon like, problem. Oh God! Oh God! No, I don't want to know this information. Yeah, there's right? a there's a really good. Um, I don't remember if it was on the Daily or on Trumpcast, but about about Amazon, about the the workers' conditions. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah, uh, I recently watched uh, uh, the the recent season of South Park. 
and they had uh, a few episodes about Amazon. And uh, watching, I was like, wow, yeah, this is... This is actually happening in real life, not just on this South Park episode. Well, yeah, they had an older season. I didn't watch this current season. South Park's one of my favorite, but I haven't watched this season. They had one, they had an earlier one, too, about Amazon, about ordering stuff that you don't even remember that you ordered. Is that the one? Uh, This is a a different one. Oh, yeah, so all the moms are ordering stuff, and they never remember what they ordered, so then everybody's like all of their husbands think that they're all having sex with the amazon delivery man because he's just showing up all the time and he's like what did he bring and she's like i don't know <laughs> and south park is so genius yeah. but but again another example of political satire yes. uh, very often uh, a lot of south park is um oh i i read um uh, what was it uh, uh on reddit someone posted a thing um and they were saying about how they they feel that South Park is uh, that is stronger satire than like some of the other stuff. That's yes, out there, so. yes. The way that and it's the two guys that write it too. It's uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Matt Stone. 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 Yeah. 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 That sounds right. It's two guys, and they just they think of some connection between two current events. And they they it's a mashup every week. It's it's honestly the most incredible TV show. Like I'm also pretty big on Futurama. Yes. But as far as as far as political turnover goes too, because I think they do their episodes week by week, and they yep. that's they why co- they have that animation style. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the best part about that animation style is that it never grows old because it's yeah. still the same. I know. I loved it when before they because their early seasons were not really political satire. Oh. It was truly fart jokes, <laughs> yes. and then they developed into this like it's just dripping yeah. with opinion like it's incredible yeah. yeah and i think that's that's why you know shows like shows uh like south park shows like uh you know this hour is 22 minutes right they're the same those are some very yeah. similar shows yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of the longevity the fact that yeah. you know these these shows um because they are political and they do get people talking and Darn it. I think, like, yeah, that's why we listen to podcasts, because hopefully it keeps that conversation going. Well, and, and also I think that the there's a kind of slow death of television right now, like of conventional cable tuning into a channel rather than streaming. Like, I've been trying to push myself lately to watch the news because mm-hmm. <laughs> I've... But there is, because of the... Because of- Netflix and YouTube, there is a resurgence in stand-up comedy and comedic political shows yeah. because it's something that's oh, cheap to yeah. make and they know that. Yeah. And it's something that people really have a hunger for. So like um, Hassan Minaj's show, Patriot Act, very political, slightly less topical, like it's the broader strokes, but Samantha Bee's not on Netflix either, but I think that Netflix has created a, a resurgence in in political comedy shows. Even when like, you even had House of Cards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I love Philip DeFranco on YouTube, um, and he's often talking about politics and everything that's going on in the world. Um, but it, like with uh, with the news, I'll when I get up early enough to actually watch it, um, I'll turn on Global TV or whatever, and I'll watch it for half an hour. Realize I've watch the the weather 15 times <laughs> the, traffic. the traffic report 20 times so i have a hack for that don't um, watch it I, oh yeah i don't want it. but i watch i watch all my news on youtube because every 
news show gets shared on YouTube within a couple hours, mm-hmm. and you get no commercials oh. except for like the skincare commercial at the beginning of right. all, all YouTube videos. You guys Can't get skip. those too, right? Yeah. Five, four, three, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but if you watch those, and then like my algorithm is just news now. I open my grid. And it's just different. And then you can yeah. see the headline. You can see the stories that interest you. And mm. you can just watch that three-minute clip oh. or that. And then you watch one of those. And then every other news publication has a similar one about whatever story it is. And you can watch those, too. Oh, like I, life hack. Yeah. And do, have you ever heard of the Big Turks? No. The Young Turks. A young Turks, part of the Big Turks is the chocolate bar. That I, <laughs> yeah. I also I've heard love. of Big Turks. Also, it's yeah. delicious. I'm on yeah. I'm on keto right now, so I'm thinking about chocolate a lot. <laughs> but Young Turks is is also really great. It's very aggressively progressive, mm. so it's not for everybody. But they put out all different lengths of clips about all different kinds of stories, and it's a really good resource for people that are looking for a slightly more independent news media that still has production value. Right. right. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, for for our listeners, uh, do you, um, as well as your podcast, uh, what else are would you recommend for our listeners who are wanting to learn a little bit more uh, from your perspective about politics? Where else should people be going? I mean, it's tough because I try to focus on Canadian politics and there's, it's such a tough time for Canadian news. And I do read the occasional story in Vancouver Sun or the Globe and Mail, but so many paywalls are going up, and I do support paying for news. I think that's really important, but I really hate paying for (laughs) newspapers that have terrible columnists, Mm -hmm. which credit to Globe and Mail for Margaret Wente finally taking a buyout and leaving. That's my own personal. (laughs) And I have that same frustration with Post Media in that their columnists and their editorial positions are very staunchly conservative as opposed to what I want to see. And so going to the TAI and going to CBC, I think, is important. Uh, I don't watch a lot of YouTube just because I'm usually wandering around or walking. And so I pick up a lot of different politics podcasts. There's Call the Questions, actually really interesting new one that's hosted by two women here in BC who they're not so much current affairs, but just wanting to have more conversations with women in politics about anything. That sounds great. Yeah, and, and what is it called again? Call the question. Call the it's question. Really good one. Canada Land is. Canada Land's a great podcast, and their series yeah. are pretty good overall. They're well produced, which I think is the, one of the most important parts. I know. Of the I podcast, love a well produced right? podcast. Yeah. yeah, much like ours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then one of the things I use to get my BC politics fix is BC Today, which is a news, an email news, daily email newsletter that Politicos has a partnership with. So I actually get it for free, but we promote them. And here I am promoting them at BritishColumbiaToday.ca. And that's Shannon Waters, the journalist out of Victoria. Mm-hmm. And yes. if you just follow her on Twitter, at so bitter, so sweet, you'll get lots of spicy takes as well. Great. Mm-hmm. And uh, cat photos. <laughs> uh, and and from, uh, from you, Sophie, as well, uh, uh, you're a, a comedian with, with a lot of uh, political... Um, uh, like passions. Uh, are there other comedians or other comedy uh, shows or podcasts that you enjoy that you would like to give a plug for our listeners? So most most um, comedy political stuff I like is American. Like I watch a lot of Seth Meyers, uh, mostly Seth Ryan. Like the, the, what's it, A Closer Look, I think is one of the, the easiest way to catch up on American politics. And they do cover some world stuff as well. Um, there's not a ton of, of comedy politics stuff, especially in Canada, that I can think of. Like, I, I listen to The Daily, the podcast. I listen to Trumpcast. Those are all, all American. I mean, right. The Daily is more world news, but right. um, I find I like to absorb 
I like to absorb politics without comedy just to kind of get a break because I listen totally. to comedy podcasts. I do comedy all day long. I write. I I like to have a bit of a breather. Right. But closer look, I can highly recommend if you have any kind of interest in American politics. I think it's the best um, best way to to absorb a, a pretty quickly, and it's usually really well written. Great. Hmm. And uh, and the next season of this hour's Toy Two Minutes starts up. Uh, we fly back to Halifax at the end of August, but I think the season starts at the beginning of September. Cool. That's something to really look forward to. Yeah. Now, usually uh, for every episode, uh, to wrap it up, I do the hashtag of whatever the subject is, and, and we'll talk about whatever the most current thing is. To be honest, when I did that this time, there was just so much information that I gave up. Um, and the original plan was to talk about... Um, social media good or bad for politics but we've already done that <laughs> so i'm just gonna wrap it up right here and and not do that at all okay um so i want to thank both of you for being on the show mm, excellent yes and uh for for future reference for our listeners uh where can they find out more about you and what you do uh twitter's probably the best place at ibushfield and then that has links to my podcasts and you can find me just by Googling my name. I'm the only one of me. That's very helpful. I'm the only I'm, one of me, too. It's what? great and terrible, I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had you guys on the show for that exact reason. <laughs> Much you, easier you for the SEO. other Ian Bushfield. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for yourself. So my Twitter is at Sophie Buttle. Um, Sophie with a PH and Buttle with two Ds. Um, and then I, yeah, I also link to my own podcast. And on uh, Instagram, I'm at SophBuds, and that also links to my podcast. Awesome, which is Obsessed with... Obsessed with Sophie Buttle. Obsessed with Sophie Buttle. Uh, and for listeners here, uh, whether you're obsessed with politics or or other uh, content that we do here on Fear of Science, again, thank you all so much for listening. And uh, yeah, thank you for being a part of the conversation. So uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, we're at ScienceFears on IG and Twitter and at Fear of Science. Um, and, uh, yeah, let us know what you thought about this episode and our future ones. We look forward to chatting with you again soon. My name is Daniel. I'm Jeff. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.